three, two, and one. And welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Real Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards. Joining us today, folks, is the founder and CEO of The Repill Shop. Please welcome Ms. Michelle Stevens. Michelle, thanks for being with us today. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Excited to have a, a, a social entrepreneur with a very inspiring story uh, on the show today, Michelle. Help bring our viewers in to kind of the or- origins of your story. Uh, what what little idea started the refill shop? Sure. Um, so 2010, I had just finished school, not for business, very unrelated. Um, and I was trying to figure out what was next in for my life and and what I wanted to do. And oh no, I should have. Um, and so I just kind of had this idea. I went to the grocery store and I had found this really cute recycled glass olive oil bottle and I got home, no olive oil to put in it, went back to the store, bought some olive oil, poured it in, the whole thing fit. And I kind of really realized, hey, I, I didn't need to go buy this single use bottle if I could just use the same bottle over and over for something and went on a long road trip. And that idea kind of morphed into like, oh, could we do that with shampoo? Oh, could we, could we add scents? Because everybody would get sick of lavender shampoo after a while. And it was just kind of this little idea. Nobody was doing it out there. Internet searches led to printer ink refills. And that was about it. And I thought, you know what? Life's short. I, I got to explore this and see where it goes. And if you're anything like someone in my family, you go into our bathrooms and you just see all of these bottles just everywhere, stacking up. They're old. There's a little bit left in there. And what happens to them at the end of the day? I mean, do they get thrown away? Do they get thrown in recycling. We we never really know. And so you had this idea. Tell us about this road trip and maybe a few of the questions that you're you were asking yourself along this journey. Well, it just gave so much nice time to really kind of sink into the idea and think about it. And yeah, I mean, recycling is not the ideal solution that we kind of have been led to to believe that it is. And reusing really kind of is like the cornerstone of the R's. And so that's what I, I really kind of wanted to always live up to that idea behind the scenes. So it was like, okay, how am I going to find these things, source things? I can't make everything. And So I just really wanted to find a way to make it fun and easy for people. Essentially, I was creating a solution for myself that, hey, I want to live more sustainably. I, but I, I'm not going to make lotions and shampoos. Like who's got the time for that? So I really wanted to create a solution that, that just made it really easy and fun for people. And and so this is 2010, right? Correct. Okay. So this is 2010. And so you had this epiphany, you kind of go on the road trip, you're, you're thinking about how do I create this thing for myself? What were the next steps? What made you get over the hump in terms of I have an idea, but little people have to actually take action on that idea. What made you get over the hump? I don't know. Life is just short. And I really decided that I wanted to be putting my energy into something that I was really excited about and believed in. I, I kind of always joked when I first started out that I got into it because I loved shopping and I wanted to make a difference. And now 12 years in, I'm not really as into shopping as I used to be. But I really realized my real why is, is ideas and innovation and, and making a difference. And so having my own business, you, you get this freedom and this flexibility and to kind of always be like, oh, how do we do that better? How do we 
change our bottle lineup to be more sustainable? How do we change our scent lineup to be more natural? Like you're just always kind of pushing and, and that's just what's really so fun about owning your own business in my opinion. And I love how social, I guess many social entrepreneurs, they kind of find this this problem with the world and like, well, geez, like how can I create a for-profit business to use that kind of as a vehicle to, to change that problem, to kind of change the way we do things and also create kind of maybe some financial independence while also doing that. Let's talk about the problem itself, single-use plastic. I know around like only 4 to 8% of items actually get recycled. Educate our audience listening out there about a few of the uh, unknown downsides of, of recycling. Sure. I mean, there's there's so many. It's really a pretty complex issue once you kind of start getting down into the details of it. Everything from wish cycling, meaning that, hey, we, we look at it, it's got that recycling symbol on it, and we think, okay, great, I'm going to throw that in the recycling bin. But the reality is that that those, you know, grocery shopping bags, those are gumming up the machines and they, they can't go there. But then you could take them to the grocery store and they have those nice bins and they say that's getting recycled. But in reality, China was taking that and doesn't, there's really no use for, for any of those like film plastics. So they're just not getting recycled. And then with plastic, especially it also degrades. So every time that it gets recycled, it, it's, it can only be recycled so many times, unlike glass and aluminum. So there's just a lot of issues with recycling. It, it's great that it's happening to some extent. I got to tour the local recycling facility here, and it was just kind of wild to see how intense of a process that really is, and that we as recyclers need to kind of really educate ourselves better like look up your local recycling plant and and see what they're taking and how they're taking it. Like while I was there, I learned that when you recycle a plastic bottle, if it's still got liquid in it, it doesn't blow correctly. So it doesn't end up in the right lane. So it doesn't get recycled. So really kind of looking up your local facilities and seeing what they're asking you to do and really trying to do that, tape it onto your recycling bin. Like that's where we can make that a better process. But in reality, it's the last R for a reason, reduce, reuse, recycle, because we really want to reduce consumption, reuse, and then recycling is kind of that last option for a reason. And, and so let's, let's bring our viewers back to kind of this, this story to where we are. Now you've learned about maybe the, the inefficiencies of recycling and you say, well, how do we focus on the second R, reuse? What was kind of your first like prototype or, you know, pilot product where um you know the, the refill shop um, was able to kind of solve that that initial problem what was the first iteration so i kind of really jumped in i went from idea to conception in six months and i i kind of hit the ground running i started with at least 30 bulk products just kind of right off the bat and we've expanded that to over 50 um, but we really kind of started with those basic everyday products, shampoo, conditioner, hand soap, shower gel, laundry liquid, were the things we're all using pretty much daily. So that's kind of our core focus. And so help our, our audience understand kind of what that looks like to them. How can they um, purchase laundry detergent, shampoo, any of these items that you just listed? And, and, and how's that process go in terms of reusing? 
So we have a few options. The first, um, and when we first started, our only option was coming into the store. And so we have all the bulk products, we have a bunch of empty containers, but we're also encouraging people to bring their own containers. You don't have to, you don't have to buy ours, you don't have to use ours. You can use an old mason jar, you can use your old shampoo bottle, anything, something cute from the thrift store. And you bring in those clean and dry containers and then we fill them, you pick out your custom scents, we, we mix it all up for you and put a cute little label on it and you're on your way. And then, um, Years ago now, we also wanted to, of course, get into the e-commerce online space. And so we began to offer refills through our website as well, through our innovative subscription program. And we ship out either refills of laundry sheets, toilet bombs in biodegradable packaging, or we offer the liquids in, um, in reusable plastic spout pouches. And those come with a return envelope with prepaid postage. So you simply just pour it all into your bottle and then flatten it all out, get it nice and light. And it just comes right back to us in a little envelope. And then we refill those same pouches for you again. Zero waste refills wherever you are. It's amazing. And you made it so simple for the consumer to send it back and, and not have to worry about the waste that they'd be creating uh, while also continuing to get the same customized solution that they need. What about the actual uh, chemicals themselves? Uh, How do you go about thinking about what goes into the shampoos, what goes into the, deter the detergent? That's something that's really important to us is, is having really quality, awesome products and, you know, that kind of live up to those ingredient expectations that you would expect in this space. So, so most, most things are vegan, just our honey face wash has sustainably sourced honey in it, but most things are vegan, sulfate free, paraben free, the laundry liquids, biodegradable, gray water safe. And you know, we, we really just have one base of everything. And so it was really important that, that each product kind of meets those ideals. In, in terms of your growth, you know, is this your first venture that you've started? Um, my second, actually. My so, best friend and I, we had a mobile paint your own pottery business in Florida years ago. Okay. So in terms of the skills that uh, an entrepreneur needs to grow their business, what were some of the most difficult growth uh, pains that you encountered along the way? Yeah, entrepreneurship has been a wild ride for sure, because there's, you wear so many hats. And so that's definitely a challenge, but an exciting challenge. And um Whew. I would say being a manager and, and kind of learning how to manage a team and, and the growth that I have to, to do in order to kind of live up to, to the manager that I want to be has probably been the most challenging part. But what I think is really wild, too, on kind of the flip side of that is how much your life experiences are are teaching you if you're really paying attention, like little things like my bartending job, you know, really comes in so handy with like dealing with customers and encouraging my team, like, Hey, if it gets busy, like, no problem, just be a good bartender. Like, Hey, I see you. I'll be with you in a few. And it's just so interesting how much the different experiences that don't maybe seem like so much really benefit you and, and 
become assets in your entrepreneurship journey. It's funny that you mentioned you know, the, the most difficult thing has been managing people. You know, like businesses are super complex, but people even more so, right? How would you describe like your management style and, and what are some of the things that you're working on? Um, I really try to create an atmosphere that I want to be in. And then I treat people how I want to be treated. The golden rule goes so far. And I really try to empower people and encourage them to find the, the aspects of the business that are more interesting to them and say, Hey, like, where would you want to grow and step up in this journey together? Um, but I, yeah, I'm just still trying to learn quite a bit, honestly. I, I probably have, you know, but that's life and business and learning and growing. And I feel like I have the most to learn in becoming a better manager, especially as we continue to scale. And, and Michelle, how many employees are, do, you, do you currently have? Five. Five employees, okay. And have you noticed that uh, there, there's a values alignment with the employees that have been uh, attracted to your organization? Talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. I have had so many wonderful people over the years and, and a lot of them have, have stayed with me for a really long time, which is kind of the biggest compliment. But I definitely feel like the nature of the business just attracts some really wonderful people. I, I think all of us are kind of feeling the state of the world kind of heavily and, and wanting to kind of put our energy into those solutions. So I, I think people really are gravitated to be part of a culture that's something that they believe in. And so it seems like you've kind of figured out this, this prototype, this model where with this amount of people, you know, this amount of product, we can sustain profitability. Um, what's this, when you think about scale, like how are you going about it? What are a few of the factors that, that you're um, considering uh, approaching first in order to get to that, that next level? Right now, we're really focused on growing e-com. There's, there's so much room for growth there. You know, having a brick and mortar location, it's, it's a lot of overhead. And so it's a nice way to kind of, we can only grow so much with a brick and mortar and then, but e-com, there's just so much possibility. So that's what we're really focusing on now. Um, I have a great consultant I'm working with. And so we're kind of getting all the plates spinning that are sometimes easy to overlook over the years. And so we're just really getting on top of newsletters and blogging and social media ads and fresh imagery and kind of all of those pieces of the puzzle that kind of have to really just get into a, a regular rhythm to, to kind of start seeing those results. So e-com is our focus right now. And I love what you were saying earlier about, you know, working with people to figure out where they see the best path for growth within the company. And like the way I, I would like define that is, is putting people into the right seats in your organization. Um, when you when you have people in the right seats, you want to make sure that you you also are, are tracking and measuring maybe their performance. What what are some some takeaways in terms of your leadership with how you um, help people identify the clear goals and, and make sure that they're reaching their objectives? How do you kind of go about that? 
Um, we, we kind of mostly do that in meetings and kind of collaboratively. And then also, I mean, also individually. So it's, there's so many pieces of the puzzle. There's a lot of detail in the business. And so kind of just trying to find people's strengths and, and then match them up with those as best as possible, but then also kind of looking forward and continuing to identify, Hey, like we've been overlooking this, who, who can help me get this off of my plate and make sure it's getting done well and on time and in the best way possible. One of the keywords I picked up from your original statement was empowering, empowering the individuals to kind of assume that role. When did you come across this realization that, Hey, look, maybe I need to empower the individuals versus top down. Um, when did you come across this realization and how, how is it really, how have you seen it work in your organization? I feel like that's kind of where I started with it. My first employee had, was a, was a manager at a forever 21 and just loved the shop and really wanted to be a part of it. So I've kind of always hired people who I admire for, for one reason or another. And so I've always kind of look to learn from them rather than so we can learn from each other and grow together would you say uh being a, a curious learner is, is something that maybe you've always been in your life absolutely yeah it's kind of my favorite thing and owning a business kind of really encourages that in so many wonderful ways in terms of scale and getting that to me is you're, you're raising more funds, you're bringing in more business, you're maybe hiring more, more individuals. Uh, what are some important questions that you want to know from someone who you want to hire into your organization? Like if you have to kind of put down maybe like three key takeaways or three key questions you want to make sure you know you ask this person, what would those be? We always want to know like what sustainability means to the individual and, and really like, like why they want to be a part of what we're doing is, is definitely the number one most important question. And then after that, we're, we're really hiring for culture. We were a small team. And so it's, it's just so much nicer to come into work when you like the people you work with. So you know, we're always really looking for people who believe in the idea, get it, are there because they want to be part of something, but then also want to be part of a team. That's the most important. And talk a little bit about the, the community um, impact that I believe you said was in Ventura, California. Have you found uh, Ventura to be a, a force for that type of person that you're recruiting on? Like talk a little bit about the community that you live in and how it interacts with the company. Absolutely. Ventura is so wonderful. Um, it's a nice small little beach town, about a hundred thousand people. And it's been honestly so responsive to the shop. Um, I was born in new Orleans and grew up in Naples, Florida. And like, I kind of joke, like I, couldn't have started this business in probably those places 12 years ago, where here the community is kind of very already leaning towards that. So, you know, when I first opened the doors and it was like, hey, I wonder, are people actually going to do this? And I was kind of like tucked away and the response has always been wonderful. And it, it very much feels like like-minded. 
to myself, to the business. And, and so I have a wonderful network of friends and then employees, past employees, and the response from them has kind of always been pretty lovely too. I actually just had an employee from, she, she probably worked there like six years ago or so. And she just wrote me out of the blue and said, she was so grateful to be part of that team and the community. And I've watched employees become like such close friends and like find their friends because of working with each other at the refill shop. And so not only are we part of a great community, but we've in, even with such a small team, I've managed to create a community as well. I feel like. Well, one of the companies there, like, and just going off that is, you know, uh, Patagonia, right? Like a lot of people in that area really grasp those concepts, which is kind of like what I'm hearing from you is like, you can start an inventory, maybe not in New Orleans or, or Naples. Um, and, and great to hear that there's in the values alignment with the employees that you're having. You know, like Patagonia, they started to, and, and really were, we consider real leaders in the space because they're pioneers. They, you know, who in today's age is going to say, hey, we are going to uh, spend an, an exorbitant amount of money on a sustainable supply chain uh, and we're going to give all of our ips away because it's better for the world no one's going to invest in that yet they still have that premium product that premium brand um which is i think is kind of what you're going for if this is you know if the refill shop is at the very beginning of its kind of you know journey and, and life path what is the ultimate change it hopes to see in business and in the world Wow. Well, first off, I want to say how much I've always loved and looked up to Patagonia and having them kind of right up the road is so inspiring to say, hey, like business can be a force for good to use the B Corp tagline, which we are 1% for the planet and a certified B Corp. And um, we love how that like just lets us bring our ethos into our business structure and DNA. And I think being part of that network is kind of part of the change that we want to see in the world and that we love to be part of. And um, the, I lost my thread. Can you um, rephrase that? You guys want to be a part of the change, a part of the movement, part of the world. What does that mean to you specifically? <laughs> the shop is trying to create actual change and and not just in people buying our products, but with people just changing their minds a little and just kind of being a little bit more aware and, and thinking of things a little differently. Nobody's going to be perfectly sustainable all the time. That's kind of unrealistic in the world that we live in today. But by having the shop in the world, I've had a friend tell me, actually, she's like, hey, I love what you're doing. I love coming in to get my stuff, but I'm also looking at other areas in my life. Like she started making her own yogurt. And so I, I think that that's really our biggest hope is just to say, Hey, let's take a look at how we're doing things. See if we can do them better and try to push the needle. Michelle, you mentioned really early on that, you know, as an entrepreneur, you wear a lot of hats. And with a lot of new employees, it's, it's more challenging, it's more complex. How do you have time for all this? How do you prioritize what you do on a daily basis? <laughs> um, I, 
I just, I, that's a good question. I, I do feel like because it's something that I've been doing for 12 years, I've been prioritizing for 12 years and that is kind of what makes it doable. My boyfriend's in the film industry and so it's super gig economy and it's like everything, you know, he's got a new team every time that they're working together for a few weeks and trying to pull off this like wild feat where for us, we every day gets to kind of reinvest and try to get things working smoother and better. And so, yeah, one step at a time, one email at a time, <laughs> just sure. kind of keep swimming. I feel like is the prioritizing method. Sure. And for listeners out there like, oh, that's interesting. You know, I, I throw away shampoo bottles all the time. I didn't even think about it. I didn't realize how um, un- inefficient uh, recycling is right now. Who, like, describe your customers for our listeners out there and, and any feedback that they've been able to give you about why they continue to use the refill shop. Our customers are the best. I just want to say we are so lucky. It makes customer service, you know, that can be really challenging, but we just have the best customers and they come in because they, they want to see a better world and they see us as a part of that solution. And and we're really honored for that. You know, there's so many elements in our life, I think, where we're all trying to like, we're all learning like, Hey, there's a lot of issues in the world. How do I want to engage with that respond to that what changes do i want to make and so our customers they come in because they they believe a better world is possible and uh for for anyone out there like how are you going about marketing and growing within specific regions is it primarily everyone in in southern california explain a little bit about how you're going about your your marketing efforts so um i'm I've got a couple people helping me, which is really wonderful because marketing is a whole nother beast, just like managing a team. Marketing is, is a real challenge and also marketing in a way that's authentic and um, kind of driving conscious consumerism because kind of like Patagonia's don't buy this jacket ad, reduce is before reuse. And so it's like, hey, just come to us to get the things that you really need and that you're going to use and that you're going to love and that are good for you. Um, so we're, we're really kind of, as I mentioned, we've got some nice sophisticated email marketing flows and we're kind of getting an irregular cadence there, uh, which is really wonderful. And then creating the blog post content and we're going to start doing some search ads and, you know, social ads and, so I, I had somebody help with the social ads. So we're kind of really trying to dial in like those lookalike audiences and just getting more and more sophisticated with it. But I'm kind of trying to let the pros kind of guide the way for me there. There you go. There you go. Um, and, and what would you say like your strengths are in the company? Like it, just for someone that's now they're like, okay, well, she's got someone working in marketing. You know, she's talked about hiring a little bit. She, I know she's super busy, wears a lot of different hats, but where, where do you say that your strength is? Like I mentioned before, my strength is its strengths are ideas and innovation and just kind of big picture stepping back saying, Hey, like how exactly 
do I, do I want this? And then kind of like you mentioned as well, prioritizing and saying, Hey, okay, next we need a new website. Okay. That's done. Great. Next. We really need to, you know, and just kind of staying excited and, and just driving the business forward really intentionally is my strength. And for entrepreneurs listening out there, any helpful softwares, tools, anything to, to help anyone out that's listening to this? Um, just surrounding yourself with people that you really trust who can help you do things. And then, I mean, it's, I've been really grateful to be putting together a marketing team. And so I have, um, my great friend Montive who she's going in, we're going in together. We're using ClickUp to now kind of plan out our calendar ahead of time, which is really, really helpful for marketing. And so we're like, okay, here's some concepts. And then I have some friends helping write some blog posts. And then that trickles down to newsletters. And then that trickles down to social posts and stories. And she's loading everything into Planoly is a really great app for, for enjoying, for planning out our Instagram content, which is then using if this, then that to post on Twitter and Facebook and Tumblr and you know, so it just trickles all down. And so just getting kind of more sophisticated and ahead of that has been really helpful. And then I have, you know, um, a girl in the shop is helping me write the captions. And so it's finding people and saying, Hey, I, I'm the bottleneck, like who can help where so that we're just getting all of this out and on time. And looking back over the past, like 12 years, what would you say is maybe one or two things that you're most proud of? That's a tough one. Um, proud of making it 12 years. It was actually just our anniversary on the second. And I am, I don't know. It's like hard to feel proud of yourself, I suppose. Um, We'll talk about that a little bit. What do you mean? It's hard. It's hard to feel proud of yourself sometimes. I don't know. It's kind of, I, that is a tough one. Um, I am pretty proud of my grant writing. <laughs> I joke my hobbies are live music and grant writing. So since the pandemic, I feel like it's really opened up a lot of grants for small businesses that kind of were a bit of a myth before. So I, I guess I do brag about myself there um, because you can win money for it. <laughs> and I would say I am most proud of being a trailblazer. And I actually was awarded um, an, a, a grant from Johnny Walker for their first strides program. And it was for women trailblazers. And when I started in 2010, it really wasn't a thing. And, and that's what made it so fun for me was that I, I kind of got to make up my own idea. Well, you, you see that we're in this new age of conscious consumers where I can, you know, send back my old Keurig cups if I want to each morning. I can continue to do that. And it's a fairly straightforward, simple process that's on a subscription basis. Is this how you kind of see the future of uh, consumer product goods being? Is this how you see consumers uh, using products in the future? I think so. I think that 
there's kind of so many solutions to waste popping up in, in so many different ways. And, and I think we need all of them. I think we, as a society, I mean, it just needs to radically change. So yes, I, I think that what we're doing and then a whole host of other solutions are, are going to pop up. And I, I think it's really important for all of them to kind of see the light of day because we need every, every good thing in this world that we can get. And why don't you think we've seen the shifts from you know, maybe just larger organizations to adopt you know, similar models? I think it's because the consumers are demanding it, which is is how we have to make the change. Like voting with your dollar is a very real concept. And the the more we can all kind of commit to that in at least some aspects in our life, the the more change that we're going to be able to create. You know, it's interesting. Uh, a lot of like business owners out there will be like, you know, I can, I can never start a company, you know, in California, the taxes are much higher, you got to pay employees more. Have you uh, seen that to affect your business at all? Or have you seen it to be, as you, as you said, more of an advantage? Yeah, I mean, I hear that too. But I, I mean, I just had a small business, a very small business in Florida. So it's not really comparable. But I mean, for us, like, it's just such a great culture fit for, for our business in particular that I, I couldn't really, you know, it's, it's kind of worth it. Hmm. You know, it's interesting. I've never had anyone talk about grant writing on this show. I'm <laughs> curious to know a little bit more about the details of this, the specifics and how you've been able to use it for your company to grow. So as I said before, like I, I, won a lot of awards over the years and everyone's like, Oh, did you get any money with it? And it's like, Nope. <laughs> um, but really the pandemic, uh, showed the world like, Hey, like we want to save these small businesses. We had to close for three months. And, and then I just started getting tapped in and looking for grants, absolutely anywhere I can find them and, um, sit down and spend a few hours. And it's, I mean, now I've kind of written so many that I can pull from what I've previously written and kind of modify it for the current one, which isn't cheating. This isn't school. <laughs> it's my story. So um, it's just wonderful. And I, I'm so grateful to all the organizations out there that are giving back to small business because it goes really far. Like we all took a big hit and, and the support means so much. It's, it's the most exciting email to get. <laughs> Well, good. I'm glad that that's working out for you. How how did your experience, your business experience uh, hit during the pandemic? Uh, tell me about some of the pros and maybe some of the cons. Sure. Yeah, we had to close because we were non-essential. So we had to close for three months, which was really tough. We did have our previous um, e-commerce site was live. So we were really grateful to have that. So we were doing online and phone orders and then people could come pick it up at the front door. And then um, they closed down our main street to cars so that, and it's still closed currently so that the restaurants could set up, which changed things for us a lot because we are a local regulars business, not as much the tourist business. And so that like really changed things that we're actually still struggling with because before, you know, somebody would be like, oh, I need to grab dish soap or a gift. And they would easily be able to just come and park in front of the shop, or at least have hope that they might be able to park in front of the shop. And now 
you have to park pretty far away. So like that's kind of still impacting us as well as they, the restaurants kind of block the sidewalks. So now we kind of, our storefront is on the narrower side. So now we're trying to figure out how to bring people in from the middle of the street versus the sidewalk. And so, but so it's, it's been challenging in a number of ways, but it also has been a ton of opportunity. We actually changed the store layout around to make it less self-serve, which made it a lot more efficient and hygienic. And we would not have been able to do that without closing our doors for an extended period of time. So the fact that we had to, it kind of really created that space for us. And then, as I mentioned, the grants and the EIDL loan. And so it, you know, it's, it's life. <laughs> it is life. That's what it seems. For sure. It seems like it is life for you. How, how do you prevent it from taking over your life completely? I kind of live, sleep, breathe the refill shop. I, I'm obsessed, but in a, in a balanced way. And, uh, I, I feel actually really lucky. I feel like I get to create the work-life balance that I want and spend the time where I want and then try to delegate the things that I don't want to do. So I, I just feel really lucky. I have a, a great team who handles most of the customer service. So I can really kind of focus on working on the business and not as much in the business, which that was the, a really big hurdle to kind of see and move past. And actually COVID kind of helped with that as well, because we were closed. So I was able to work from home more. And then when we opened back up, it was like, Hey, I'm going to schedule this. So I don't have to be at the shop as much. And I have a great team there that I trust running the day-to-day -day stuff. And I'm here working on grants, working on the new website, working on all of those kind of things. So no, I, I actually find a really good balance with that, you know, and being able to create my own schedule in those ways. It's it's good to hear, and I, and I hope, you know, anyone listening out there that might be, you know, struggling with finding that, what seems like for you, fulfillment and kind of what they do, what what advice would you have for those individuals who, you know, are doing the, the same redundant work day in, day out, not really having fulfillment in their life with what they do? What What advice would you share with that individual? Uh, that's a tough one. Um just trying to work towards something that is more fun and exciting. And it's so easy if, if you kind of let yourself stay in that space, it's so easy to hit burnout. And so by finding, maybe you could pay somebody to do that task, like a book, maybe a bookkeeper is worth it, you know, like to, to kind of find people that you trust to take on the things that you don't want to take on so you can focus on the things that you're the best at, that you're the most excited about is invaluable. And Michelle, you talked a lot about like, you know, this consuming a lot of your life and this kind of being the mission. And I'm not going to pretend to imagine, you know, when you're going to exit your organization, but getting to that point, what, what is the legacy you want to leave? I really want to, I really want the refill shop to thrive and to be, to become a force of change in the world and to go on beyond my wildest expectations is my hope as I'm working on planning, estate planning. <laughs> um, I've actually been kind of thinking about that. Like I, I really want it to 
to stick around and to create change and to be good in the world. Yeah, yeah almost like it, it, it will transcend the business itself. It, it will continue to inspire more entrepreneurs and, and, and a different way of thinking for business. I think that's a great mark uh, of a real leader, Michelle. So let's bring this home. What is your definition of a real leader? A real leader is someone who cares immensely for the team, for the mission, for living up to the idea behind the scenes, who is compassionate and working on making themselves better and everything around them better. I love that. From Michelle Stevens, I'm Kevin Edwards asking you to go out there, care immensely for the mission and always folks, never forget, keep it real. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks so much.